0: through Lama Hill. And I'm Keith. And this is Flumadoodle.
1: Your somewhat reliable source of information for... Most things, John. Most things, Keith, not limited to logistic LED lights or Eddie Van Halen, who we're going to talk about today. But we'll stick with that for now. So that was (laughs) the late, great Edward Lodovic Van Halen, Keith, with his groundbreaking, world-shaking guitar. Solo performance eruption, eruption off of Van Halen one, and Keith, he is considered one of the true innovators of the instrument. Yeah, somebody that really shook up the world like a Les Paul, Jimi Hendrix, right. Eddie Van Halen. There's only a handful of folks like that who have really changed the way the instrument. Is played and looked at.
0: So. Right, and the thing about eruption was what tapping, right? Which is yeah, uh, he. Well, did it did it father tapping, John, or did it no, just
1: revolutionize it? Revolutionized it? it, Keith. It had been used, I think. Looking back, some people say there was a little bit of what was called that tapping mm-hmm. kind of technique that he used, but he definitely took that to a whole nother level with his virtuosity and creativity in that. And uh, you know he had had a long battle with uh, throat cancer. Seemed to be doing pretty well because I saw a thing here lately. It's really neat, Keith. It was called uh, "What It Means to Be an American," and yeah. he's he's really very much a sort of rags to riches immigrant kind of story. Mm-hmm. He had a Dutch dad, a Singaporean mother, and uh, by all accounts, I think he was a pretty doing pretty good as a professional musician. The dad was before they left. I can't remember if they were in Holland at the time or Singapore. But when they came here, I mean, here's a guy who's used to playing music, making a living playing music. And, you know, he's walking three, four miles a day just to wash dishes, the mothers uh, cleaning houses. But they both, him and his brother, who was the drummer, they are both uh, end up classically trained on the piano
0: hmm.
1: and show an aptitude for music. So anyway, all those years later, you know, obviously they made good. And he's had a, what, 30 something, 40 year career almost. And so, yeah. anyway, very neat story. So, I came to the country not even speaking English, uh, died 65 years of age as one of the greatest guitar players of all
0: time. Absolutely. Keith. So, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Yes, indeed. We will miss you. Yes. Um, so, today's topic is about feeding the hungry, John. So, we're going to go through. Um, we had logistics last week, and we kind of mentioned that logistics can be used for good things, right? Very much so, man. So one of those things is making sure that everyone in the world has food, right. and um, so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about a guy named Dan Cannell Dan um, who was a logistics consultant, and also different problems with getting food to the hungry and what maybe we can do about that. But right. first, John... But first, Keith,
1: let's talk a little bit about Widow's Link. But even before we do that, I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in your whole setup. And I'm going to say, Keith, I like right. how the microphones are set up tonight. So we because can right in other. between the big pom-poms on top of our microphone, I can see your ruddy, complected head right through here.
0: <laughs> and right over my um, <laughs> notes here in between, I can see your head as well, John. Exactly. Exactly. So, though, all of you know that we support
1: Widow's Link uh, Marlene has been on the podcast before and it is a great organization uh, that really meets the needs uh, emotionally and spiritually of widows who are grieving the loss of a spouse. And so uh, they have retreats and different things each year. But if you hook up with our uh, premium subscription, mm-hmm. your whole first year's membership will right. go to Marlene and Widows Link. So
0: right. you're
1: not... Just think of it this way. It's just... a. Uh, opportunity to give to the widows and for that uh, you get our discount card and you get uh, full access to premium content on the greatest podcast in the world
0: Flummedo and I've already got 10 discounts ready for you guys it's a thank you and I'm working on more and it's a digital card this year so as I add discounts you will get them All, all we have to do is email the new card out to you so right on yeah awesome so feeding the hungry John so this is a an issue I think that everybody has always been concerned with, right? I don't. Sure. I don't know that there's a person in the world who has thought, hey, let's just let those hungry go hungry, you know?
1: Not very many. If mm, so, no. they were probably a despot and a dictator. Right. Yeah. And uh, terrible folks.
0: Yeah. So um, you would think in today's society and the world that we live in that this is a problem that should be solved, you know? Um, I think that's something that kind of aggravates me a little bit about, like, what we've done with the internet, you know, right? <laughs> you know, we, we use it to to what share memes with cat each memes. other, and yeah, cat <laughs> memes. And I mean, we literally have this tool with our hands where we can communicate with each other across the world instantaneously, and right. we use it to share cat memes. cat memes and sometimes even spew hate, you know, and very much. Um, we need to use those tools in order to solve problems like this. Um, you can do that through logistics, John, that we talked about last week. There was uh, this guy named Dan Canale, and that's what kind of got me on this topic. Okay. He's a logistics consultant, and he was asked to aid the largest humanitarian organization in the world. Which uh,
1: organization was that,
0: Keith? Well, he didn't say, and so I don't I'm know. I'm wondering
1: if, if it was the World Food Program. Maybe. Which won the Nobel Prize. That's the UN's big food thing, and they're very big on logistical stuff, which I'll riff on that a little bit after you get done with yeah. Your story about Mr. Cannell
0: Well, he didn't say, and it may be because of what he's about to talk about, when he walked into it, he found a lot of problems. And he I may imagine. not have been wanting to <laughs> right. give their name away that they ever had these kind of problems. Exactly. Because a lot of people probably donate to this organization and, you know, people don't want to hear that this is happening, you know. so right. He did find some pretty troublesome things when he came in and uh, evaluated things. The first thing, the two major things that he found was spoiled food and distribution problems. So the spoiled food, let's go there first. One thing they were doing was they were using congested ports. Yep. And those congested ports meant food was actually on the ships for days yep. before it even got to the warehouse. Exactly. He said that when he walked into the warehouse, the smell of rotten eggs was so overwhelming, he wanted to throw up. I mean, it was That's terrible. That's pretty bad. Um. There was 71,000 tons of food that just never made it to the hungry.
1: Isn't that crazy, Keith? Yeah.
0: Well, I thought you put it on Do Not Disturb. Who I is it? I did too, but who's, hey. Who's calling
1: in? Welcome to Flum Podcast, Mr. Connell. We thank you for joining us in the middle of our recording. We're just now talking about your work with the World's Food Banks. What do you have to say about that? Can I holler back at you? All right. All right, love you, Mr. Connell. Thanks for calling. (laughs) All right, bye. So John is much much closer to (laughs) Mr.
0: Connell than I thought he was. Uh, So uh, maybe you got some insight we don't have there, John. Well, you know what was
1: surprising, Keith, and this plays in, and I'll let you continue your story, Mm -hmm. but in article after article that I read, what I found so many people saying is that we don't have a food shortage problem. Right, we don't. Like, I was shocked. I know, me too. About a food, no food shortage problem. That the idea is that hunger is a logistics problem. Yeah, and I'll go on to give some numbers later about how much spoilage in Africa and India, and how much food goes to waste okay, and yeah. where it goes to waste. But go ahead and pick up from yeah, there. Yeah, that'll tag along. What, perfect. to what, what he's I got. To say. right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's the next thing that he said was distribution. So another problem is the first of all, the the food's already spoiled. Right. Uh, so then another problem is getting it there you know, whatever good food you do have, you still got to get it to you the people who are there, hungry. Keith. And so um, 50 men would take three hours to load a single truck, John. Oh my God. 50 men, three hours That's to crazy. load a single truck. Road conditions were so bad. There you go.
1: Now you're hitting on all of it, Keith. Yeah. I'm going to do an overview of some of that as you go along.
0: They were too bad for the trucks that they had to use. And here, let me explain to the listeners for just a minute. If you lived... In a first world country like America or maybe maybe in Ireland, countries that are developed. Right. You wouldn't even consider these roads. You know what I mean? Right. Like Oh yeah. When I when I saw the pictures, I'm like, that's that's not bad road conditions. That's no road. That that's not a road. What are you talking about? That's what I
1: found. Not only you've got the stuff, but how are you gonna get it there? Yeah. Like you don't think about stuff like roads.
0: Right. And then you're like,
1: wait a minute, that's not even a road, that's a trail through the forest or something you know
0: right and another problem was a lot of red tape on trying to do it other ways other than roads so he came up with six things that would help solve this particular organization's problems number one stop relying on congested ports. i mean it's so seems so simple john you we talked think. about how ottman's razor is a big part of logistics right the getting something from point thing. a to point Kiss. b yeah keep it simple keep it simple Sugar. stupid all right, yeah, or sugar. you have been nice for me. All That's right, what I so call uh, Mr. Canale, you know. There you go. So the second thing was organize the food in warehouses like grocery stores do. So I worked in a grocery store. I worked stock. That was my first
1: job, grocery really? store,
0: man. Yeah. It wasn't my first, but it was right there with the first jobs I had, you know, and I, I I think I made like 590 an hour and I thought I was rich, you know, like
1: 325 bro, but that <laughs> yeah. shows
0: how much older I am. Than yeah, you. yeah, that shows a little bit of a age gap there. But um maybe 385, I don't know. Yeah, man, you're anyway. doing good. You're doing good. Um so I remember though when I stocked John that the new stock, we didn't put in the front. No, you got
1: to face it yeah. off. So put the new in the back and pull the old. That's the-
0: right. You pull the old up and you turn it and make it look all nice and neat and like you said, face, face it, it off, off in the bro. front, yeah. That's it. And so, um, and when I go to buy milk, even today, John... I go
1: to the back. I
0: go to the very... I'll, I'll, I'll look say. back, I'll angle, I'll get down, I'll angle my eyeballs all the way to the very back one and see what date it is. Now, if the front one's the same date, I'll just grab the front one. But if it if there's, you know, better dates in the back, I'm definitely going for the back. And Absolutely, man. So I just gave some grocery store stuff away there. But anyway... That's what he's saying they should do with the stock at these warehouses. Let's pull the old stock up front so it's getting put out first while it's still good, and then we can put the new stock in the back and continue that cycle. Um, number three, at, at least have one forklift per warehouse. Oh, yeah. One forklift can load a 50-foot trailer with 25,000 meals in 20 minutes. There you go. So you're talking about just mechanizing 50 guys in three hours— versus one forklift, 25,000 mils in 20 minutes. Exactly. It's just insane amount of difference yeah, than one Yeah, just mechanizing forklift. the
1: process as opposed to even technology, really.
0: So number four was lease a fleet of dependable military-grade vehicles. So that way, even if you can't afford, because yeah, I thought that was pretty smart, John, because you think, well, just build roads, but, you know— Knowing a little bit about municipality stuff now, I've come to realize how expensive roads really are. Right. They're very expensive. Right. And uh, it's not something that easily can be done, but you could lease military grade vehicles that can go just about anywhere. Right. Um, standardize this number five, standardize the UN air fleet and cut the red tape to allow them to fly in airdrops. So, what was happening is in this Particular place, which was Uganda, actually, right. they uh, would, excuse me. They, the planes had to be painted a certain color uh, for humanitarian aid because conflicts would be going on and they didn't want them shot, shot out of the sky. This right. guy said, Hey, guys, I guarantee you the people who are hungry don't care what color the plane is. He said, And right now we are not in conflict. So right. since we're not in the midst of conflict, let's cut this red tape, let's standardize UN fleet and let them just start doing airdrops, you know? It, it's so simple as just, hey, let's overlook this stupid rule that we right. have, you know what I mean? Cut
1: the red tape, well that's yeah. a lot of what I found, too. Yeah. So you, How many more? Right. One more, yeah, he had one more. I ain't rushing you, brother. Take no, you're
0: your fine. At every step of the way, he said to, uh, this number six, every step of the way, change incentives, create accountability. <laughs> and make sure contracts are performing up to standards. So basically, it's just the management part of it. Not only do you have exactly. to have the logistics in place, but you have to have the management part of it in place too so that it can continue to, to go on and go forth. Exactly. So that that that's how he decided. That's what um, he told them to do in order to solve their problem. Well, that really covers all your basic bases. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've got several things.
1: You've got storage, which... They had the storage facilities, but one of the big things I'll hit on related to that in a moment, transport, how are you going to get it there? Right. He helped them with that. Packaging and shipping, we talked about that. Customs clearance, that's the red tape stuff. Stuff sitting in ports, you mentioned that. So you get the food there, but it has to sit on a ship to clear customs. Or you get the eggs in and you don't have proper refrigeration. Right. That's a huge thing is i kept seeing that recurring is that with fresh food that if you don't have adequate refrigeration it's going to spoil right so you i found this this i hope that some of our folks will find this really interesting kind of like led lights on the surface you're not thinking oh led lights that must be super interesting but that was one of our best podcasts yeah i think so. and this one feeding the hungry you think most people think oh well that's a nice sentiment yeah, yeah. I exactly. gave it to the local food bank. i heard we all that want so to many times. The, you know, feed the hungry, but yeah. you don't realize what goes into it. And let me give you some numbers, Keith. In India, up to thirty percent of fruit and veggies rot before they ever get to market because of inadequate cold storage. That's crazy. So there you go. They just can't get them from the field, yeah. to the market because they don't have the um, the refrigeration. In Africa, thirty to forty percent is lost to insects, mold. And moisture. Yeah. So there's plenty of food, even in somewhere like, I think it was Kenya, where only 15% of the land was uh, adequate for farming, but they said that land
0: was more than adequate to provide all the food that the nation needed. Absolutely. We have enough food in the world. Let me, I'll give you some um, overarching facts on that, John. Um, 820 million people are hungry in the world. Okay. 1.4 billion tons of food is wasted every year. Wasted. Absolutely. And just for you Irish and UK listeners, that's 2.8 trillion pounds or 1.27 trillion kilograms of food. Isn't that crazy? Um, So the problem is not scarcity, it's distribution.
1: Absolutely it is, man. And so some neat ways, let me give you an example from Kenya. So there were people there who could afford food. They weren't just giving them food, but they were very low income. Right. So these farmers wanted to sell whole chickens— but the people couldn't afford whole chickens. right? So chicken's going to waste. So they get together with the local market and they're able to get better refrigeration and they're able to cut the chicken up and package it in smaller packages that people can afford. And now instead of chicken rotting or people not getting chicken, they can buy small packs of chicken that they can afford. Yeah. Or in Nigeria, like tons of tomatoes were being destroyed just because of the way they were being transported. So they were being transported on some of those roads Uh, that were barely roads, Mm -hmm. and the tomatoes are in big woven baskets sitting one on top of the other. So they just bounce on each other and crush. So just from getting plastic crates and stacking the tomatoes in plastic crates, a very significant more amount of tomatoes made it to market so that people could have the food they
0: needed. They didn't order tomato sauce. They ordered tomatoes. They, They sure did, Keith.
1: Now, We talked about transportation. Refrigeration is huge, and it differs from country to country. You know, like somewhere like Indonesia is surrounded by ocean, but having a way to get the fish from the ocean to low-income areas is an issue. Yeah. So that's roads. There's, I don't know, planes, trucks, whatever it might be. Refrigeration, again, keeps creeping up in everything. And so all these places, there's food rotting in the field, food rotting in harbors, waiting to get into port and food rotting in facilities where it's already made it in, but is not getting out. Right. So I'm glad to see, I read articles probably from anywhere from 2015 on up to now. Yeah. And they all continually talked about these things, particularly storage, shipping, customs clearance, roads. Of course, that goes with the transportation and refrigeration. Yeah. So... Here's a fact that's not good, Keith. Landfills and incinerators have more food trashed in them than any other
0: solid waste. Yeah. Period. Well, man, I've been at particular theme parks before, and I'm like, you, you know, you see these people get on dining plans, and they give you more food than you can eat because they're trying to give you value, right? Right. You sit there and you look at these trash cans, and then people are just throwing away food. It's just so much food. And I'm like... My gosh, use that for something, you know? Like, uh, use it as biofuel to, to, like, energize the park or whatever. But right, like, I do just something. I don't like waste. I think I was raised that way. You know, my mom taught me to clear the plate, which you can tell. Yeah, and, me uh, too. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's the way I was raised. That's was not like, going to help know. the kids in China, but
1: it could do something in terms right. of reducing uh, energy costs or whatever it might be, like yeah. you talked about biofuel. Keith, I wonder if people. Uh, get the idea of, like, really how big some of this stuff is, especially international relief right. stuff. I've got a little blurb kind of like yours uh, with Mr. Connell with whatever food service organization he was working with. But I got some numbers just from the Houston Food Bank, right? which is one of the biggest food banks in the nation. And we're talking about just a food bank that supplies meals to 18 counties in Texas. Okay. Now, let's just forget those that are trying to, you know, supply food to whole sub-Saharan Africa
0: right? or
1: maybe food for the poor that we mentioned. I wish I could have found some stuff on them that really provide uh, not only food, but what I read too was neat, Keith, is that the solution to some of these problems is not just giving people food. Right. What Food for the Poor and others are doing is they're giving technical expertise and even financial help to small businesses in these poor communities. So if they teach this group of people how to process fish, chicken, or tomatoes—
0: yeah. Now it's
1: there for them to get to the people themselves without having to be given from a you know, a boat that has to come from the U.S.
0: I read a little bit about that. It's the food system they're the working out. The whole system. Yeah. It's yeah. not necessarily just, hey, giving food. And they do that, too. They do give immediate relief in places Absolutely. who needs it. But the thing is, though, is they also want to work on the food system so that these people will be able to provide for themselves. Exactly. Because there's several different problems that cause this. There's poverty. You mentioned that. Poverty is a big one. I mean, if you're in a an area that doesn't have a government with money, they don't have the money to uh, to build the roads so that people can get. So the to infrastructure you. can't the be infrastructure's there anyway. Not there, yeah. And then also famine is a big one um, when you're it kind of goes hand in hand with poverty when you're in a poor country or a poor area they do not have the means to prepare for a famine so when a famine strikes it's just starvation or war Um, and conflict conflict is is also another another, like
1: with syria how many millions of refugees were from syria in the last few years right you know even professional people that are all of a sudden having to flee the borders and hope they can get across the mediterranean you know somewhere safely
0: yeah Absolutely. And then the last one I come up with was the hunger cycle. Did you read about that one? No, I didn't see that. So basically, if you're too hungry to work, it's going to create a cycle. Oh, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, you know, I believe 100% God will bless people who put their hands to the plow, right? Like, if you, He'll bless your efforts. Where you have those opportunities. Where you have those opportunities. But see, that's the problem. They don't have those opportunities. Like somewhere in Haiti that's been
1: ravaged by. Hurricane and all the stuff they've been through, and despot leaders and.
0: So I guess what I'm trying to say there, John, is keep an open mind. You know, we may right. say, "Hey, you can get yourself out of the situation, pull yourself up by the bootstraps." The case, for sure. Well, hey, just realize that you were raised in a totally different country, so pulling yourself up by the bootstraps may not be there They're for not them. Be an option, yeah, Absolutely. and so and they may be so hungry that they don't care about nothing except for breathing their next breath. You know what I mean? So it's just this this hunger cycle is what they call it
1: now keep this in mind along with that we mentioned how many people might be uh without food in the world there's some estimations by gain the global alliance for improved nutrition yeah um they say up to one in three people in the world are actually malnourished yeah even if not hungry even if not starving to death yeah they're still malnourished to some degree
0: yeah it's really sad john and like one of the you, you mentioned Haiti a second ago, right? One of the stories I read was that like before, was it earthquakes or hurricanes Haiti had that tore them up? Earthquakes, wasn't it?
1: They may have had, yeah. It seemed like they had a they devastating had a couple, earthquake. Yeah, had a they had. Then they had something things, not yeah.
0: dysentery, but
1: some kind of disease type situation ravaged. But before and those natural disasters the, oh. that they
0: had, they were already in a, a pretty bad state. They a said state that of poverty. To start yeah, with, state of poverty. Know. They said that um, in the markets they would sell mud balls. To children, so that they could fill their bellies a little bit. You're talking about mud balls. It's not even. That's horrible, man. It's not even make solving their hunger. You know, it's just making right. them feel full for a second. You know, it's terrible. It you know? is,
1: and I'm trying to get that across to my son that like, well, I don't like this or I don't like that. Yeah. You know, We have that option. How blessed we are to have the option to even consider being picky about food. I know. It. And you know, and I'm talking to him. Of course, this is what he's raised in. He doesn't know any better until you teach right, him. Right, yeah, that absolutely. like, look, if you want to consider your health and well-being, then we can't just be eating what tastes good to us. We eat what's healthy for us. Right. And we're very grateful to do so. Yeah. And I feel like, for me, it's been an important thing. I know my grandmother supported that Food for the Poor organization, and I have for a number of years. So. Yeah.
0: And one thing you liked about the Food for the Poor, let's mention this, John, is the, the percentage of the donations that you exactly. give. Exactly. That, that goes directly. It was like, 90? Upwards something. of 96%. You'll find yeah. a lot of famous
1: organizations that you support. You can go to something called Charity Navigator, mm-hmm. and they have all that data available. Like, a lot of even reputable uh, organizations don't even get near
0: 90%. Right.
1: You know, but the fact that they have 96% of every dollar goes towards direct relief. That could be food gifts. That could be micro loans to fishermen to try to help them. That could be even you could even do in their catalogue for Christmas, you could support a family with like a donation of a goat or a fruit yeah, tree. That's cool. To help them to farm and to raise mm-hmm. their own stuff.
0: That's you know? awesome, yeah. And uh and I guess that's something I want to point out too is don't it doesn't necessarily have to be like ninety six percent going to food. Right. But like the food system part too. But you don't want like an organization that's got 50% going to administrative costs or oh, something like no. that, you know, so just be careful about what you're giving to. Yeah.
1: If you give to an organization, I, I would encourage you to check them out on charity navigator. Mm-hmm. And if they're only given 60, 70, even 80%, and you can find another organization that does the same thing, but has over 90, 95%, of everything going to the program and very little to administrative and executive uh, CEO salaries and stuff, that's even better. Yeah, absolutely. So, Keith, let me tell you real quick. Okay, go for it, man. Houston Food Bank. I mentioned that 18 counties, just to get an idea of the logistics involved with a semi-large U.S. food bank that is just meeting the needs of 18 counties, Okay, much less the whole world. All right, so they've got a three- hundred and eight thousand square foot facility. They get out over a hundred and twenty two million meals wow. that is distributed through fifteen hundred food pantry partners in eighteen counties in eastern Texas. Wow. They give out over seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds of food daily using over 30 refrigerated trucks that do over 113,000 miles a month with 7,600 stops. And this food goes to a lot of different places, you might not think. It goes to uh, food pantries, like local food pantries. They supply them. Soup kitchens, senior centers, schools, and other social service providers. Wow. That's just one Large slash really kind of small in the global
0: yeah in the scheme. global scheme of things yeah um, but food let me say this John is there's no excuse for anybody in America to be starving with the wealth that we have in this country
1: right you know Absolutely. and and
0: I'm not you know some people might diss them for not because we are so wealthy for feeding America but we have to do that we have to make sure right. that our own is taken care of it should be much easier like you said refrigerated trucks that's exactly. easy there's no excuse here. Um, but once we cover that, then we do need to look out to, right. to the rest of the world as well. And that
1: is the name of a thing. Feeding mm. America is, okay. a, yeah. is a large program, and they help some of these large upper-level food banks who get out to your local food pantries and that kind of stuff because they still suggested that one in nine Americans yeah. it has a food scarcity, one in seven children. There's a lot of surprising, eye-opening food scarcity issues in the state. Right. And that scarcity doesn't mean it doesn't exist it just means maybe it doesn't get to where it
0: needs to go. Again. Right, exactly.
1: So, Keith, I think that's pretty dang interesting.
0: Yeah, I do too. So, I guess uh, one thing we need to touch on before we close this one out, John, is like, what does this mean? You know, like we did this podcast, but we, you know, I don't want it to just be just information, you know? So, I think one thing for me, John, is it, it kind of opens my eyes to that I need to be given more of the resources God blessed me with right. to organizations like this sure. to give them effort. And especially, you know, you guys like Elon Musk, let me challenge you right now. You not only have resources, but you have tons of money. Right. You know, and, and you, uh, well, I said that wrong. Money is a resource you also have tons of engineering skills and know-how right. to get this this stuff done. So, like, you know, he, Elon Musk, he thinks he can solve any problem. L- work on it. Let's you do know, this. Figure let's it let's out. do hunger. Let's That's do very it. basic stuff, yeah. you
1: know. If you can get people fed and taken care of, like, then who knows what kind of economic situations those people uh, could start or create right. that would help others. Or the yeah. work, or the uh, the businesses, the things that would come out of that that could benefit others. Absolutely, like you said, if you if you're too malnourished to even work, yeah, you're in pretty bad shape.
0: So I challenge the Elon Musk's of the world and the Jeff Bezoses of use those resources. For Absolutely, good. man. Hey, God never said in His Word to, to to store it up for yourself. You know, no. he, he said to. You know, to, to feed the, the hungry. Absolutely. Know, feed the poor.
1: And I encourage, he encouraged the Bezos, as I encourage every everyday listener that we have yeah, to do something, whether that's give to a charitable organization, right? whether that's volunteer at your church's food bank, whether that's to volunteer at a community food bank. You know, what we do in hospice, there's organizations like uh, MANA and stuff around here, uh, Meals on Wheels, that deliver meals to the um, elderly. So there's always ways you can reach out and make a difference. Yeah.
0: You don't have to be, you know, a Jeff Bezos or, Show, you know, no. right? we, we all have way more than we need for Absolutely. sure. In America, we live like kings really, and compared to a lot of people yes, in we the do. world. We're truly blessed. And so, you know, I know some of you are saying, well, I, I live paycheck. paycheck. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, figure that out. You know, I'm not saying you have to do it right away. Make a, Make a 10 or 15-year plan. You know, say, hey, I'm going to get myself in a position. You know, I'm going to pay off all my debt. I'm going to get myself in a financial situation to where I can help more people. But don't wait. Yeah, You can still give five bucks. Yeah. Give what you that can now. Help. Give what you can now, but also make it a goal right, to, to be, be a to better manager bucks. of the resources God gifted you with. Absolutely. So that you can use those, you know. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, I think that's fabulously interesting. May you always reach out and touch your neighbor with love in whatever way and shape that takes form. And uh, Flumadiddle loves your head off, loves your guts out. And you can reach us at doyouflumadiddle
0: at gmail.com. And doyouflumadiddle.com. Sure, why not? Yeah, and we, we're on Facebook, but you, I'll be honest with you guys, we don't really check it that often. So you know, probably email would be the but best way. But now if it way. comes
1: through, we're gonna we'll get the message. We'll, we'll get, get it, it eventually. Yeah. We'll get to
0: it. And <laughs> yeah. uh, so tell uh, tell your friends and neighbors about
1: us. We, Keith, I would consider us food for your imagination.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. And next week, John, next podcast, the handy dandy little pocket notebook.
1: Man, I'm so excited. I know I'm so geeked out about that. I. Know. I, I I'll just say it now. I've used little pocket notebooks for a long time. And apparently, Keith, I found out that I'm in good company and in, uh, uh, in the company of many great men and women throughout the ages who have found ways to use the humble pocket notebook to record their thoughts, yeah. their ideas, their insights, uh, and organize their lives and all kinds of good stuff. So, And,
0: and you may be thinking, uh, why a pocket notebook when I got a notepad on my phone? No, don't do it. Well, we're going to tell you next week why. We're going to tell, tell you why. We're going to tell you why. All right, that's it, John. All right, grace and peace. Peace out.